This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. What's up, Robbie? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Jerem. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to be here my, uh, with you uh, because... I lived outside of the state and knew about BYU football, but my first taste with BYU football was a book by Lee Benson called And They Came to Pass. I thought this was the coolest thing I had ever read. And I still do. I love that book. Um, It chronicles all the quarterbacks and kind of the quarterback factory. So uh, you are, I think, are you the last chapter in that? I think it was before Ty or maybe Ty is in there, but you're in there in that line. Yeah, I I think it was before Ty. Um, during the time where my kids were in elementary school, my wife was working at the school and she said it was probably the most checked out book at Westridge <laughs> Elementary. <laughs> so I felt, pretty good. I felt pretty good about that too. <laughs> Clifford, the big red dog. And then they came to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one, two right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So you grow up in Roseville, California. I had some friends live in Roseville. So when I went and visited them, I was like, Hey, Robbie Bosco's from this neck of the woods. What was your life like in Roseville? What's your family dynamic like growing up? Boy, I actually loved growing up in Roseville. It was a sports town. Um, They had everything. They had Little League Baseball, where they don't have Little League Baseball here. And they had uh, Ron Chapman and Pop Warner football, um, which I did not participate in. Maybe we'll get to that in a second. But I loved growing up there. Uh, I have two older sisters and an older brother. My sisters were kind of into sports, but me and my brother were big time into sports. He was three years older than I was. I, I was fortunate enough growing up that I was on a lot of good football, uh, not, not a lot of good football teams, a lot of good athletic teams. For instance, talking about Little League Baseball, to, to go to Williamsport or whatever, it's an all-star team, so you have to make your, your thing. So I made it as an 11-year-old, and then I made it as a 12-year-old. And when I was 12, we were a game away from going to Williamsport. Mm, for the Little League World Series. For the Series. Little League World Series. And I remember losing that game. We were down in Southern California, and when we lost, the parents, I think, took it worse than we did. I mean, we were just a little, we were just some kids. It was tough. We wanted to win. But I just remember parents crying and just, it was just very hard for them. But that was a super fun experience. Um, I got into punt, pass, and kick growing up. And you, you can do it for about, I think it was like a five year span. No one told Andy Reid this. No. He looked, there's a video of him doing this, and he looks like he's 25. I will say this. I, I, I remember taking some pictures, and I was, su- I was tall for my age, and, but I wasn't big like Andy was. Andy was enormous and looked old, and he may have been. He may have been 20 years old. That's why he dominated. <laughs> Andrew Reed. But anyways, for the first few years, I had to go with the division older and I, because of the birthday. They went by the birthday. Mm. And so I'm like, I couldn't get out of Roseville. I could not get out of my hometown to do it. Then they finally changed it to where whatever age you are, that's the division. So now I was with guys my own age. And so 
I got out of Roseville. Then I went to Yuba City, and I won there. I went to Oakland, California, and I won there. And then after, then after winning there, I went to a Raider game and did it at halftime. And I won there. Mm. Then, first time on an airplane, maybe for both my mom and dad too, we flew to the Houston Astrodome. And the Steelers were playing Houston. Earl Campbell. What a match. Terry Bradshaw. It was amazing. I remember as a little 12-year-old kid, Terry Bradshaw was in there eating breakfast with someone. And I said, excuse me, but can I get your autograph? (laughs) And the funny thing about that is years later when I went to an All-American, a preseason All-American in Florida, Terry Bradshaw was interviewing me, and I told him that story. And he just laughed. He goes, that has happened more than you think with me. So that was kind of cool. I lost there. If I would have won there, I think I would have got to the Super Bowl or one of the championship games. But that was a cool experience. So I had super fun playing. Played basketball in high school. When I was a junior, we had a super good team. And we actually went and played. I don't know what the... The Warriors, what the name of their stadium was, but we played there for the championship game. And it was the California is so big, they had a Northern California team and a Southern Cal. So we won the NorCal championship. Oh, that's And we played there, which was super fun. Um, I played golf, was on the varsity team as a freshman. So played four years there. Uh, did not play tackle football until I was in high school. Mm. And uh, I quit as a freshman because I did not. I just didn't like it. It, it wasn't fun to me. And that was the end of your football career, Robbie. We thank you for the time. Yes, I <laughs> the other stuff is all made up. That really wasn't me on those years. And Have so, you thought about if you stayed, uh, you know, not playing football? What would have happened uh, in pro- this moment? Probably nothing. If I would have quit playing football, because I wasn't. I wasn't really tall enough to play basketball. I think the only team that really talked to me was UC Davis. About basketball. About basketball. Um, local team. There. But I, yeah, it was a local team, very small, a small college. Um, but I just wasn't, I wasn't tall enough to play anything but guard, and I just wasn't quick, you know, like those guys are, or people are. And uh, so in golf, I was, I was never that good to, you know, to get a scholarship. So, anyways, I went back out. And like a week later, I said, okay, I'll go back out and play. So one week, you took a It was about a one week, like maybe a vacation. I'm like, okay, I don't get hit for one week here. (laughs) But my brother was a senior. He was a starting quarterback on the varsity. And uh, he kind of helped me. Because I was a little bit nervous. Like I felt like I couldn't learn the plays. And getting hit stuff was always on the top of my mind. I really didn't like that. But learning the plays and be able to run a team – being the guy, being the quarterback, being the voice in the huddle, I felt very – my anxiety was, like, too high, I think. and I just felt like I couldn't do it. So my brother John helped me with all that stuff. And, you know, my, my dad was always good about me in sports. He goes, hey, just go out and do the best. If you don't want to play, you don't have to play. So I always felt like, okay, I'm not getting pressure by anybody but myself and my friends who all wanted me to play. And so I went back out and – um I liked it, 
played my freshman year, played JV, and they were talking about putting me up to varsity. Panic again. As a freshman or sophomore? As a sophomore. Because back then, nobody really went up. No one really played as a freshman or, or a sophomore. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go play with guys two years older than me. Yeah, so, I already did that in punt, pack, and kick. Uh, punt, pass, and kick, yeah. Punt, pass, and kick. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> and so I just never – so then I, I was very nervous about that. They never did it. I started as a junior. Then I played as a senior and liked it, and here we are. Did you get over that, or did you always battle sort of those anxieties? No, I, th- I got over it. I th- my junior year, we were really good because our senior class hadn't lost as freshmen, sophomores, and, and juniors. They were super good. With, with you? No, not with me. Oh, ahead of you. Ahead of me. And so I'm like, okay, I want to be on. This is a team I want to be on because we're, we're good. And so I played on that year, and our nemesis, Placer High School, who won the championship every Plaster? year. Placer? Placer. Placer. Placer is probably about a half hour away from Roseville. And they were always dominant in the league, and they won it every year. So this was the year we were supposed to get them. Um, Typically back then, you would have a couple thousand at the games, a couple thousand people at most of the games, and mainly the school and parents and things like that. We went there, and there were 10,000 people. Whoa. It it was huge. It was a big big. stadium? It wasn't like a big stadium. I mean, it was just side to side. On both sides yeah, of the unpacked. thing, but it was just packed oh, and wow. people standing around and stuff like that. So we come out and we start throwing the ball like down after down after down, and we're up 14 zip. And then our coach, Bob Jellison, I think got a little bit nervous. Instead of continuing to play like we were playing, we started running the ball. And that's what he was known for. We ran the wishbone in in high school, and I hated running the wishbone. You don't like getting hit, and you're running the wishbone. Running the wishbone, <laughs> Jerem. After one time, I ran the ball ten yards. I had to call timeout because I was breathing too hard. <laughs> I, I I was a quick pitch guy, or give it to that fullback most of the time. <laughs> and so, then he kind of went back to playing like that, and we ran a lot of. We just ran the ball a lot, you know, had a couple turnovers, and they came back and beat us. So we never – that's the one thing that never really happened in, in football for me in high school is to beat Placer, and that's not a sore spot at all. But after that year, I started getting letters uh, by recruits and colleges and things like that. So remind me, you don't grow up a BYU fan. I don't or, even. Or are you? I really don't know what BYU is. You're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saints at the time, or are you? I'm not. My mother is, mm. and my dad's not. So BYU is not a thing in your house. The only thing I know about BYU is both my mom and dad were born and raised in Helper, Utah, and so every summer. Well, shout out to Jan Jorgensen. There you go, and shout out to President Worthen. Oh yeah, that's right. My pet, my. They're my, gonna kill me if they hear this because I said that one time in front of them. They're like, "We're from Helper." <laughs> so, President Worthen is from Price, Utah, where my my mom's mom and dad are from Price, and where they lived, President Worthen just lived right around the corner. Oh wow! 
So without really knowing President Worthen back then, we would play hide-and-go-seek. We would play kick-the-can. We would play all these neighborhood games at night. Visiting Grandma? When we visited Grandma. So we oh, went uh, back there. Do you, do you think he was there? Hanging out, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we you talked. You hung out? We talk, I don't, As I, kids, I, maybe. We probably did. We were probably at the same stuff, and yeah. we were probably, you know, hiding out, playing those kind of games at night. That's fun. But, you know, I kind of, I didn't really go out of my way to meet new people. I hung with my cousins and my brother and and, and that, but but we we talked we talked about it all the time. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to reminisce about that. And uh, so the, really, the only thing is driving through Provo to get down to Price. That's what I knew about BYU. You'd see the Y on the mountain. See the Y. Went to a couple BYU basketball camps. Mm. Um, but other than that, BYU was – I didn't know anything about them until I saw them on TV. So when you're in high school, BYU starts to emerge. Uh, obviously, 74 with – 3 and 74 with Gary. Gifts a big deal. Excuse me, Elder Nelson. <laughs> and then uh, and then Mark Wilson's doing his thing while you're kind of a what sophomore, and then you graduate in '81. Jim is is sorry you show up in '81. Jim just had the greatest season any quarterback had in college football history in '80. Those four thousand yards, no one had ever done that, and a good joint touchdowns. So when did when did BYU become a possibility? Because I think there's like a signing day story or something with you where it came down to the wire with yeah. you and some other national recruits as well. Yeah, so the the first I really recognized BYU as a football school was Mark Wilson. And they were playing San Diego State National Television. ABC. Al Michaels on the call, by the way. That's right. That's fun. That's right. And I might be wrong here, so Jerem, help me out a little bit. I think the first three passes that Mark threw were for touchdowns. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I could do that. Okay. I mean, this is something that uh, I wouldn't mind doing. I, w- I would be interested in going to BYU to play football. And uh, I don't. they weren't recruiting me during that time yet, I don't think. They might have been. It would have been your sophomore That would have been my sophomore year. Okay, so. You're not quite playing a ton at this point? No, as a sophomore, I'm playing JV. Gotcha. It wasn't until my junior year that um, – that I started getting letters and recruiting, get, being recruited and stuff like that. And so I saw Mark do this, and so I started paying a little bit more attention. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jim McMahon, throwing, scoring 80 points, throwing for 400 yards all the time. And, and I remember very vividly, it was in, during basketball season, we were down in San Francisco playing in a basketball tournament. Um, in fact, playing this particular game, we were playing against um, Jack Del Rio, his team. Future NFL head coach. Jack Del Rio came, yeah, he yeah. came out leading the team, palming two basketballs as big as a house. And we're like, okay, it's a little <laughs> bit different down here now. Let's go. But go, leading up to that game, we stayed with families instead of a hotel. And so I was reading, I was, the night before, or the night of the game, I could watch like maybe the first half of the BYU-SMU game on TV. And they're just getting destroyed. I mean, that's not even close. And 
So I, we had to leave and woke up the next morning because we had another game. And reading the paper, what? How in the world could BYU beat them? It's amazing. And, Jerem, to this day, I can watch. we can watch this game, and I'll say to you, we won't win this time. <laughs> There's just no way we're going to come back this time. And they keep doing it. We keep winning. But, uh, yeah, so that was, a, that was a huge memory. And so when McMahon started throwing yards like that and nobody was doing it, I mean, in the back of my mind, that's where I wanted to go. Because of the passing. Because of the passing. Why did BYU recruit a wishbone quarterback? <clears throat> um, that's pretty awesome. It was. We, we Did you throw enough to show one, what you could do? The one thing about um, Bob Jellison, who was the head coach, he saw my potential in throwing the football. So before where for a season they might have thrown it 15, 20 times. Oh my gosh. For a season. I'm not kidding. Two you. or three times a game. Yeah. They never, it, it could be third and 15, they're running the bone. And if they didn't get it, they would punt. And so I actually threw it a little over 200 times. Okay, then. That, the, the one year. And so. Would you still line up in the wishbone? Just throw oh, it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We would fake the wishbone, drop back and pass. You're and doing RPOs before RPOs. We were doing RPOs. Run pass option. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because every once in a while when we would watch film, and it was hard to watch film back then. It was actual film. It was actual film. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, wow, I could have ran that ball for a lot of yards if I would have <laughs> read it correctly. But, you know, I didn't do it. But, um, yeah, so I was, I was all Northern Cal first team. And then Sean Salisbury was all Southern Cal first team. Long time ESPN yeah. guy and whatnot. Yeah. And going yep. back to your story about yep. the recruiting story, that's yeah. who it was that was who it was with. So you were waiting was one of you waiting for the other to sign at a certain spot? Who who was in the who took second to you besides BYU? So like BYU won, obviously. So I I turned down probably four or five schools because they weren't throwing the ball. I, I wanted to go somewhere they threw the ball. And that, that was my strength. I felt like that's where I could help a team um, if I got the chance to play because um, I didn't know how good I would be or if I would just, like, stink when I got to a college. And so the, the schools I turned down, they, they may have thrown it, like, 10 times a game, 15. That just wasn't a lot. So, so BYU was, was a choice. San Diego State – was a choice. Doug Scoville, who was the offensive coordinator at BYU for all those years, just became the head coach at San Diego State. So we're thinking this might be BYU light at the time. Right? And uh, I remember going on my official visit there. Well, let me tell you the other team. And the other team was Cal in the Pac-10. Stay in the Bay Area. Stay in the Bay Area. My parents are coming to every game. It's close. They threw the ball a lot. Their quarterbacks – we're getting a chance to play in the NFL. And so I thought those are three great choices. I, I, I'm, I've always been a homebody. I didn't need to do five trips. I didn't want to do five trips. I didn't really want to do any of them because, but, you know, you have to, you have to go do that to check out the schools. And so 
not being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Sean Salisbury being a member, in my own mind, I'm thinking, if we both go to BYU, he's going to get the ch- chance first. I mean, I, did, I didn't want that. I, I, don't, I didn't mind competition, but in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to take – he'll get the first chance to be good before I will. It won't be a good competition. Because he's a member of the church? Because he's a member of the church. Oh, that's that, how you felt. That's how I felt. And I, that's definitely wrong. I, I didn't know how coaches think and all that stuff. But that's how I felt. I didn't even think I knew McMahon was a and, member or not. And then you got to know Jim. And then I met Jim. I'm like, man, I could have oh. committed a long time ago. I don't actually care. <laughs> well, if they wait, they don't care who plays here. They just want to win. And so, and so anyways... So I made my mind up. I was not going to decide until Salisbury decided. And if he would have went to BYU, I more than likely would have went to Cal. And that might have been – that would have been a different environment for me. Because even though I wasn't a member of the church, I, I, I didn't do a lot of partying. I didn't do a lot of stuff like that. And when I went on my recruiting visit there, there was a lot of stuff like that going on. So I kind of waited, and I can remember Tom Ramage. He stayed at the Ramada Inn right next door to McDonald's, and that's where he stayed for like a week or two weeks straight. <laughs> waiting for you? Waiting for me oh, to wow. decide. And he'd call me up. i go, I, I don't know. And he knew the reason why I was saying no. I don't know. I don't know. And he would come. So I remember being in Mr. Pellegrino's math class. And the, the, the high schools that are in warm weather are just outside classrooms, glass windows, so you can see what's going on outside and stuff like that. So there's Coach Ramage walking <laughs> back and forth of the classroom. And Mr. Pellegrino looks at me, I'm like, I don't know why he's, doing, why he's walking around like that, but he's, he's out there. <laughs> And so then he's going back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden, there's a tap on the window, and he's waving me out there. And Pellegrino was like the JV football coach, so he was so like— So he's all about it. He's all about it. He totally gets it, so it's not bothering him at all, and he loves it. And so he goes—so I go out there, and he says, Salisbury's going to USC. And then, and then I just get a little bit— I got a little bit teary-eyed because I got a really good relationship with my dad. So, because my dad's helped me through a lot of things, and in sports especially. And so I said, I'm coming. I'm going to go in the football office to call my dad right now. So that was my first call. And my dad is a, was a high school counselor at Highlands High School in, in uh, North Highlands, which is in the Sacramento area, kind of a— Crazy school to be at during that time of, in the 70s anyways. And so he was just like, all right, let's go. So told Ramage that. He came to my house that night. We signed. And then I was off to BYU. Tell me about the relationship with your dad. What, what did he do that, that helped you so much? And, and how did that shape you? He, he was just a natural coach. Everything I know... How to golf was my dad. My dad gave me lessons. How to shoot was my dad. Show me how to keep your elbow in 
whatever it may be, chest passes or working on the little things that you don't do the little things when you play pickup games. Uh, playing football. When I was when I would do football, he would put on gloves and just catch balls. Whatever I needed to do. He didn't was run he a routes. Good receiver? He was a pretty good receiver. Good hands. But it wasn't too hard when he just had to put his hands right there. <laughs> um, punt, pass, and kick. And my mom, too, here. They would go out in the – I practiced. My problem was I wanted to always be the best. So I would practice like crazy. Punt, pass, and kick would go in the front yard, and I would ball and – and, and, and a football doesn't bounce right to you. So my mom's chasing balls. My dad's chasing balls. They're getting the ball back to me. I might shank some. They're diving over cars so I don't break the window, and they're knocking them out of the way. And <laughs> so my dad, was he would do that all the time and, and play with me. And, and at that time when I was little, you know, my goal was to beat my dad. I couldn't do it until I probably got into the – I was pretty young. I was probably in the sixth, seventh grade when I beat my dad. And so – I mean, that, that was just, he was just always there for me in high school games. Like when I would get beat trying to play defense, coach wouldn't call a timeout and say, okay, Rob, this is what you're doing. I'd look up at my dad and he'd be up there shuffling his feet, like, you got to move your feet. You can't just stand there, you got to move. And so I always found my dad everywhere I went and whatever I was doing, I, 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 I listened to him and his counsel and it's just, I just love my dad, just everything he did for me. That's awesome. And I know uh, your brother pretty well, John, because he was the high school basketball coach at my high school. That's right. Now, I wasn't good enough to <laughs> to make the varsity, <laughs> but my sophomore year, um, he wasn't over this, but uh, you know, I'm playing, I'm starting half the games. I average 1.9 points. I'm <laughs> terrible, but I love basketball, right? That's awesome. He's the varsity coach, and Copper Hills pulls off this incredible run to the state championship that I, I can name all the guys on that team, and that meant so much to the school at the time. That was an incredible run, and I always knew, oh, this is Robbie's brother. In fact, when my mom was single and John was single, they almost went on a date. Wow. Did you know that? Have we ever talked about this? Uh, you could have been Uncle Robbie. I think you told me about that. So, <laughs> you know, hey, that would have been great to be related that to. That would have been amazing, yeah. So, yeah, John John was a good dude, and, uh, yeah, that was awesome. You said he was three years older than you, and he, he was the starting quarterback? Yeah. And helped you And he develop. was, yeah, and he was a wishbone quarterback. He's probably 5'10", as you know, and bigger than I was. I was a little skinny guy, or tall skinny guy, I guess. And But you know what? A lot of people, I think, with the way our careers went and everything, would be jealous. And he was my, from the get-go, my number one fan. And uh, I can remember playing at Placer. And we went ahead 7 nothing at the high school game we talked about. We went ahead 7 nothing. I'm running off, and he's out on the field high-fiving me. 14 nothing. he's on the field high-fiving me. He came to BYU after a, a stint playing junior college ball, and he's one of the managers with for Holmgren taking stats down of what we do. He, he was always there. He didn't care that I was getting this attention, and he wishes that he could have been there. And uh, it's just he's the best brother. Well, he's my only brother, but one of the best brothers I think anybody could ever have. And you know as well as anyone – as a teacher and as a coach, everybody loved my brother John. Yep, 
I, I don't know anybody fun. that doesn't like that guy. Yep. Everyone just loved him. Yep. I remember how emotional it was after Capriles won the state championship, being in the locker room. I'm a sophomore. I'm not dressing or even on the bench, but I'm on the bus going up, and that just meant so much to just yeah. feel a part of that. Yep. It's really special. Capriles uh, ends up beating two future BYU players in that run, Derek Dawes and Garner Meads. It yeah. was awesome. I was, was there for all those yeah, games. Yeah, it was, it was it wild. It was awesome. It was wild, man. In fact, one um, – I think it was during that season we had a fundraiser, and I'm sure John talked to you to get some BYU stuff. So they sold some BYU stuff. I bought a Kevin Federick because this is the time it is. <laughs> yeah. I think – I don't know if it was game-worn. It wasn't dirty enough because Kevin Federick got sacked a lot in the Motor City Bowl. <laughs> there wasn't enough <laughs> turf on it. Maybe it was yeah. the backup jersey in the Motor City Bowl. I randomly have that and bought that for thirty-five whole dollars in ninety-eight awesome. or ninety-nine. Yeah, about that time. Yep. So I still have that in my closet to this day. It is awesome. That. And I assumed that you were the one to get John that when yeah. he was at um, when he was coaching at West Jordan. We had just won the national championship, and they did a little fundraiser, um, and we played the the staff. At West Jordan in a, in a in a game, uh, a, a a fundraising. I don't know what you even call it. Just a in a high school game. So we get in there. We're warming up, and the the, the gym is packed. You could you couldn't find a place to sit, stand, or walk. It was all the way around. I don't know how many people were in there. And I mean, look, I had we had Morell there, Leon White. Oh wow! I mean, we had we had our team there, <laughs> and it, it was pretty awesome. And um, they had like the cheerleaders were there. They had the band playing. I don't know what they raised or anything like that, but it, you know, you miss as, as being in college, you kind of miss some of the high school stuff that went on. So this brought back a lot of great memories of playing in a high school gym and. And everything. So that's another great memory I've had of my brother. Who had the best uh, basketball game among the football players you played with at BYU? Anybody that could have played? Um, I know a lot of guys probably claim they could. Yeah, I think a lot of guys <laughs> probably claim they could. Uh, man, that's a good question because nobody was really – I mean, there was just a lot of good athletes and a lot of good good players that way. But nobody had, like, to be a really good college player, nobody really had that kind of height or, or crazy handles, yeah. dribbling, or, or stuff like that. So it was just a good mix of a lot of – probably they were, most of them were probably their best player on their high school team. Sure. At least one, two, or three, right? athletically. Yes. And guys that could jump out of the gym. Kirk Pendleton, for instance. Yes. Kirk Pendleton – Jordan, was Jordan's dad? Yeah, yep. was a very, very good basketball player, and um, I can remember one time we used to play in the Smithfield House pickup games at twelve o'clock every single day, and it was just with the football guys. So this one time, there were basketball guys out there playing. So I'm like, they know who I am now. I'm gonna, I'm going to play with these guys. So I'm talking about Gray Kite. Devin Durant, um, other guys, I can't even think of the other guys that were in that thing, but just big guys and good players. One of the first times I'm going up for a rebound, and I'm like, whole, no, 
this is why I didn't play basketball. <laughs> These guys are enormous. And, and, and it's amazing. And I can remember one time on a fast break, I, for some reason I had the ball in my hand and Devin Durant's going down. And I just throw it up. Probably not even a great pass. Just kind of way up in the air. And he just like floats in the air. Remember how smooth Devin was? Mm-hmm. Floats in the air, kind of does his little arm thing and lays it in. I'm like, no wonder those point guards always look so good because those <laughs> other dudes are amazing. And uh, that was crazy. But, you know, playing with the football guys, oh, there would be fights all the time. Kozlowski and his brother would fight almost every <laughs> single day. And it wasn't just a push. They'd be swinging. I'm like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> and then I remember Wayne Falfula, big offensive lineman, trying to go for a rebound against him. He was so big, it was, you were going in circles. But it, it was like, that was what was so fun about being at BYU. To some degree, this still happens. It's not with the players, per se, but the coaching staff. They're members of the staff for football that love to play pickup. And for years, I, until the last couple of years, I had played with them, and it was pretty fun to hang out. They're, they're competitive still. I know they that. They are. They are. Okay, so there's another quarterback that BYU signs in 81. It's Blaine Fowler. He signs with you. Blaine also tells Joe Pa and Penn State no. He's like this dual-threat guy. What's the relationship like with Blaine as you guys come in together? And was there anybody else I'm missing that came in with uh, Kyle Morrell was a QB. Kyle Morrell started as a quarterback. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he well he came in as a quarterback and defensive back. And I, I don't think it took very long to know that that <laughs> dude's going to be a, an amazing safety. Yeah, all-American. And so player. I don't even know if he even took a snap. But I know he was, before you got there, they list who signed. And I can remember Kyle being a quarterback. Mm. But um, that guy was a crazy, tough, emotional, very good safety for us. Um, I think it was – I probably was just me and Blaine. And so when I got there um, <clears throat> to school, they – well, initially when I first got to school, and then I'll get to Blaine's relationship, during two-a-days, they put me and Cause together as roommates in the dorms. What was that like? I was in the dorms two days, and then I moved in with my sister. <laughs> I didn't tell a coach. I disliked cause is more than anybody you could dislike. He he just was he just was whatever, and he was he came in the spring before graduated from high school early, and I said, no, 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 you didn't graduate. They wanted you out, so they said, leave. <laughs> You're going to BYU. So Cause, already being in spring ball with McMahon and all those guys, so Cause thought he was pretty cool anyways. And so having that on his resume, he thought he was real cool. And so I didn't get along at all with him. He made me he, – he just scared me to death. So I moved in with my sister, didn't tell the coaches. She would just take me down to practice every day. And then I'd either get a ride up to where she lived or she would come and get me. And then um, and then I was supposed to be in with Richard Hobbs. Uh, we, got, we, we, we met each other as freshmen. We got along. And then I met Blaine more officially – and we really had a, a great relationship. And we said we should room together. And so uh, I just told Rich, I go, Rich, I'm going to move in with Blaine instead because 
you know, you can have, you have two roommates in the dorms. He's a quarterback. I think it'll just be better for both of us because we can just learn from each other and stuff like that. But we had a lot of fun in the dorms together. And um, we, we, we had a great relationship there. We've always had a great relationship. And um, it, it was fun being his roommate and getting to know him for all those years. It's been fun to get to know Blaine as someone who just watched BYU growing up, right? And you and everyone associated with it. But Blaine is the most talented person at not just TV. I'm talking singing, piano, <laughs> dancing, just entertaining. He, he he can MC anything. Like, he is so engaging. And, and you see it on TV. But I'm telling you, if you just stick a piano there and just let him go, oh, man. It's He'll like go. an hour later. Dr. Seuss recitation, like, it's it's crazy. He's one of the most in, entertaining guys I've ever met in my life. Blaine was so funny because, like, if I even if I went on a date and I was going to pick up the girl because we were both in the dorms, Blaine, for some reason, Blaine would be there on a piano <laughs> singing, making up a song about us kissing or something. I'm like, <laughs> Blaine, you got to stop. And, you know, playing the guitar or, or whatever he could do. But he, uh, yeah, he was. I mean, that's how I met most of the people, girls, in the dorms was because of Blaine. Blaine was way more outgoing than, <laughs> than I was. And uh, so the dates that I did go on, I know I owe Blaine a lot for that probably. That's funny. Okay, you show up to BYU. It's 81. Uh, it's about to be McMahon's senior year. Steve Young's in the program. Um, you're, you're coming in the program the, the Mark, uh, Gary Scheide had been there. Gifford had been there. Mark Wilson had been there. This is the next guy in line. What's life like right now, especially with that coaching staff? I mean, you've got NFL guys sitting there, uh, not only as players, but assistants. What's life like in 81 as a freshman, as you kind of get into this? Well, I mean, during that time, it, we were like robots. You came in as a freshman and you played JV football. You the next year, you redshirted. The next year, you backed up, and the next year, two years, you started. That was my mindset from day one. That was going to be my story, and nobody told me that was going to be my story. But you knew '84. I got a shot to play because yep. based on that three-year plan. Yep. Interesting. So I played JV ball, and I'm loving watching McMahon. Any chance I get, could, I would watch him in practice. I would try to just I – would, I would work super hard on trying to get the offense down, trying to understand – memorizing the plays where everybody was, not just the receivers, where the running backs, to try to understand pass protection. Um because that is, I mean, you if if you don't have an amazing understanding of those concepts, you can be good, but you can't be great. There's just no way you can be great unless you fully understand every single principle of what makes every play work and why against what defense and things like that. So I was just trying to learn all I could. Um, and then – then we'd play, we played six JV football games, and I started those games. And, and then it was interesting because I heard little whisperings of, you know, there'd always be these old guys up in the, the stands watching your games. 
And then word would always get back to me. These, these people up there are saying that you're the best guy that's ever played JV football. You got the best arm that they've ever seen. I'm like, cool. You know, I didn't think like, oh, okay, now I'm set. Because they're the, just guys talking. The original but cougar still, board. I'm, yeah, the original <laughs> cougar board was live. <laughs> and they were and they would make sure that you knew what they they're talking about you. So that was that was that. And that was super fun. I mean, we had we had a we had a decent team. Um but like a lot of the really good players, uh, the Morels, Kerry Whittingham came in with him, Leon. Those guys didn't play because they played, they played on the varsity, or probably on uh, special teams and stuff like that. So then '82 came, and redshirting. And then Blaine did not redshirt that year, and so I redshirted. So I'm like, okay, my plans. It's, hanging, it's, it's right where I thought it was going to be. Hated that year. 82 was horrible because I was on the practice squad going against our defense. Who, you know now how they wear green jerseys? No, they, they didn't do that back then. This is not live, but evidently it was live. <laughs> and I would take cheap shots to the jaw I would take, I would, they would they'd be like, okay, this next play is a quarterback sneak. So they're all yelling when we get up to the line, watch the sneak, watch the sneak. So I would just like tiptoe back there and kind of get down. And then Fred Whittingham, who was our D coordinator, he'd be screaming at me, run the ball, run the ball. Don't be, don't be just sitting back there. Give us a good look. So I'd do it again and blah, 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 blah. And oh, <laughs> all these defensive linemen, Brandon Flint, Mike Morgan, we are such good friends now. I can tell this. I can tell the story because we're super good friends. I tell them to their face. Back in '82, I hated you guys. <laughs> you guys were the meanest people to me. Oh no, we weren't. Yeah, you were. And so it was just, <laughs> it was just horrible. So I could not wait till that year ended. And then eighty three. It didn't help that the year didn't go well either for the team, right? Where it was, um, it was eight and four, and it wasn't, it wasn't eleven and one. It was, or you didn't care. You're on the practice squad. It's not that I didn't care, but they probably cared. Yeah. And you know, this was the year Junior Filiaga punched the ref. I'm like, I'm going against all these guys <laughs> who have anger issues, and I'm the quarterback. And then guess who we play later that week? Air Force. I'm back to running the ball. Oh no, the wishbone like, guy's back. Phew, get that! I'm pitching that baby quick this week. <laughs> and so, at least you knew what you were doing already. But it was super. What well, was super fun? I can remember Todd Shell telling me because he was a, a linebacker, starting linebacker, future first rounder, first rounder. He's like, I don't know if you ever realized this, but you shredded us during practice all the time. So that made me. That gave me some confidence that I don't know if I really had before that. All right, okay, let's go. When I, when I get my turn, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing that. When it's the old guys, whatever. When it's Todd Shell, it's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Todd Shell never hit me. These D linemen. So you like them? These D linemen think <laughs> differently, and so I hope they're listening to this podcast because I want them to hear that story again. So anyway, so that that was awesome. But then '83 came, and. Um, it's not cut and dry Steve Young's the quarterback. It's a, I'm in the battle. 
Of in, who in spring? In spring. Okay. Of who the quarterback's going to be, and uh, you know I, I'm doing okay. Everyone's doing good, but we had a ton of guys: Jim Kimmel, Kimball, Eric Krzmarczyk, me, Steve. Uh, Blaine was redshirting that. He ended up redshirting that year. So when it's not automatic that Steve Young's just the guy, right? Are you in a quarterback battle there? Yeah. So so this is '82. I played my freshman year, 82, and, you know, they're not sure if Steve is the guy or not. You know, Steve, um, he hasn't had a lot of playing time. He's played a, he played a little bit as McMahon's backup. But there's some hungry quarterbacks. There's me, Jim Kimball, Eric Krzmarczyk, uh, and Steve. So we're, we're getting good time together. Steve may be getting a little bit more reps because they're, they're thinking this guy, because Steve could run now. So he added another dynamic dimension that none of us had. And so, but we all threw the ball just as good, if not better than Steve. And so they finally named him the backup. I mean, the, the starting quarterback. And whether they were going to redshirt me or not, they hadn't decided yet. So we go to Georgia. And I'm feeling like I'm going to be the backup. We go to Georgia. Steve throws... Five picks in the first half? I could have given one more. May have only been four. But Steve, for you, I'm going to give you five picks. <laughs> and um, so in my mind, Jerem, I literally said, I'm going to play this game. Mm. I'm going to play this game because they might have been right. Maybe Steve, maybe Steve can't play. And so then Steve comes out, settles way down, and I totally understand those first game stuff. And against a very good Georgia team. I mean, I went through the same thing. And so we, we actually should have won that game. We got one of the worst spots in college football history that gave Herschel Walker a first down, but there's no way oh, he made SEC. it. Oh, SEC. SEC. 17-14. Uh, they end up finishing the year ranked fourth in the country. Herschel Walker. Wow. That's an incredible Georgia team. You guys almost win. We almost Tom win. Tom Holmes has a pick six in this game. And Tom had a pick six, and uh, – and the way we started, we had no business being in that game, but our defense was good, and and then second half we settled down and Steve played much better. Next week we play at UNLV. They're still not sure what they're going to do with me. Do we need him to play? Do we need him to be ready? Is Steve our guy? No, now we're, we're good to go. Um, in fact, Blaine, Blaine is in the same picture with us because – this is 82 after our freshman year. And so we go to UNLV, and um, I don't think I'm going to redshirt. I think they're going to have me. You're going to be in the mix. They're gonna be, uh, either I'm going either I'm going to be the backup or I'm going to start in 82. So finally, we get through UN, uh, UNLV. They have to decide, because it's not like the rules now. They have to decide, so they go, okay, Steve's our guy. Steve's pl- Steve's good, he's plenty good, and we don't we're gonna redshirt you and get you ready for down the road, and so I can remember that summer, my dad I'm at home, my dad comes in to the bedroom to wake me up, and he's like, this may have been eighty three, he goes, you're almost you almost just became the quarterback. I go, what do you mean? He goes, Steve Young just got in a rollover 
and the person in the car didn't make it, but Steve didn't make it. And so he talks about this in his book. Okay, and that was really traumatic. That was yep. it was traumatic. Yep. I mean, it was not a lose a little control. That his car was rolling. He was rolling. lucky to survive, and and the yeah. woman with him did not did not survive. Yeah, and so I was so grateful that he he survived it and uh, he made it, and you know, and then you know, eighty three, come to eighty three, I'm backing up Steve now. And one of the great college performances in the history of the game was his season he had in 83. Super good. The the Baylor game, the opening game down there, super disappointing. I would have to actually watch the game again to give more feedback on the game. But it was a game I think we could have easily won because we were loaded. And what I appreciated about that team is I got to play a lot. Um, New Mexico. I mean, I got I was seven for seven. Utah State. I was Utah State's one of the great games for me because Steve in the first drive down, he he got a concussion somewhere during that drive, and then he um well, he did a little he did what we call a, a naked to the left. He faked the handoff and rolls out to the left, and David Mills was wide open in the end zone. So open, you can't even believe it. And he overthrew him. So I think they brought him to the sideline. And they're like, you're, you're not right. Are you okay? And I think he felt a little bit dizzy and woozy and stuff like that. So I get the, I get the call. We're, we're down 7-3 to three in that game. And they just scored to go ahead 7-3. to three. And then, in fact... No one even knows I'm playing. Jay Monson's announcing the game. Four plays later, oh, that's Robbie Bosco playing. <laughs> I think he's been in there the last few plays. And it's funny, he didn't even know. But I can remember. Steve suddenly threw right-handed. <laughs> Steve suddenly. Well, no, 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 no. So I go in the game. My first pass is a 60, we call it 64. It's an out to Kozlowski. Out, he made that guy miss. He runs another 10 yards down the field. Ruby, go deep. <laughs> yeah. I probably liked him a little better during this time. <laughs> we became best friends down the road. Then I then um, Eddie Stinnett ran like a 60-yard run, which was huge. So we get down there, and in more ways than one, this, this play has become a special place in my heart now. But we're down there on about the three-yard line. I do a fake handoff, roll out to the right, and I throw a touchdown pass to Gordon Hudson. It was my first collegiate touchdown pass ever, and it was Gordon Hudson's last touchdown pass ever. Mm. Because he gets hurt in, is it this game? He gets hurt in that game. Oh, someone, ACL. someone rolls up on his knee and tore that, and he, he never played in college again. And he's, it's like the eighth game, I think. And he's still a consensus All-American. He, he had 44 balls. In fact, I think before I threw that one, I think they, I think they said he's two touchdown receptions short of some amazing record. Probably tight ends, touchdowns tight or something ends, at the time. But played eight games, caught 44 balls or something like that, and was a consensus All-American again. You would never see that today, that through eight no. games that guy would be a consensus. As soon never, as the guy gets hurt, never. they're done. Yes. It doesn't matter. 
And so that's amazing. Uh, you remember the catches. 596 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. Nowadays, you're like, eh. Nowadays. But then, yeah. those were Nowadays, monster numbers. Monster for numbers for a tight end. end. Yes. And uh, that's pretty cool. His it, last, your first awesome. one, his last one. Yeah. So, me and Gordy were, were for some reason, he kind of took me under his wing as being younger than him. And so it's not like we hung out a ton because he was married, but he always talked. We always would do things, and and uh, he'd always put his arm around me, and he would. <laughs> this is Gordy goes. You're better than Steve Young. <laughs> so and he and Steve are tight. And Steve were tight. Yeah, <laughs> they're best friends. And um, but we always had kind of that. It was kind of a cool relationship, and I always looked up to Gordy. And uh, and it was just it was sad to see that he passed away and stuff like that. But yeah, passed away recently, and uh, we're thinking about yeah Gordon and uh, the amazing career he had. Man, he was wait so so you know Spencer and I did a show. We call them the reviewables. We look at a game or a season or a guy or whatever or a girl. We did the '83 football team. Spencer made the argument that that's the best team in BYU history, even better than '84. And his argument was strength of schedule. So beating Air Force and UCLA that year, two top 25 final AP poll, not at the time, final AP poll wins were significant. UCLA ends up uh, winning the Rose Bowl, blowing out number four Illinois. Air Force is good. That 83 team was incredible. Now it's interesting because the 84 team obviously has a ton of the dudes from the 83 team. What's your opinion on this in your super biased opinion as the quarterback of the 84 team? <laughs> well, it was funny because I wanted to get some shots of me and Gordy. So I actually watched that Air Force game when I got in there and played. And our team was loaded. That team was loaded with talent. And I'm just as I'm watching it, I'm going, I'm playing. I'm playing with Gordy. I'm playing with Pendleton. I'm playing with Pe- – uh, Pendleton leads the country in uh, touchdown catches, by the way. Really? In 83. Wow. 11. I would have never thought that. Mm-hmm. Casey Tiamalu, Eddie Stinnett. I mean, the list goes on. Wayman Hamilton. And so that was, that was a very, very dynamic team that I got to play with. I mean, we're playing, we're playing against New Mexico. I play the fourth quarter. Usually, and this was like kind of Lavelle's thing, when we were ahead by so much, he shut it down. And you weren't doing anything. I wish they had the way that, way it is now. If you want to get noticed, you got to score a lot of points. But I threw for like 125 yards against New Mexico, seven for seven, and playing with these guys. So I have nothing against that 83 team. I mean, I got to play because we were beating teams like crazy. I got to play quite a bit. Um, but that team was super good. Uh, it was a super good defense. Our team in 84 was amazing. You, you look at guys that got drafted or guys and guys that got a shot to play in the NFL on the 84 team, you don't see that in Provo, Utah. You may see it at Alabama, LSU, those kind of schools, but you don't see that. And there were, I think, 11 dudes got drafted and guys played in the league for a lot of years. Yep. Govea, Leon White. I mean, these guys all played. But it, it's kind of a – 
it's like the same team both years. Yes. That's why it's a fun, weird, interesting awesome It, it really is. We lost, you know, me and Steve replaced QB, tight end. Dave Mills played played in the 83 team, but you're not you're not Gordon Hudson. We lost some receivers, but we had Cause. Cause has already been a three-year starter. Um, our offensive line, everybody was back except for one guy. And that was a loaded O-line. That was a, I was lucky to have that O-line as, a, as my first year because it was they were good. They were experienced. Trevor Maddich and Robert and I and all oh, these guys, right? They were so good. So I, I, I don't really have an, a, an answer. Our defense was so good. Our defense was ranked in the top ten that year. And um, it was – we were good. Let's we talk good. about the Commonwealth play. Where are you standing? What did you see? And what do you remember from that? Because that's considered the greatest defensive play in BYU history, and it should be. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe there, it would be in the top five of probably all time in college football maybe. Right. The, the timing, all of the above. I think I'm standing on the bench. Elevated. So Elevated so, so I can get a great look of what's going on here. And um, – I just, I, I just, I can't watch enough of that, that play because it is, it is remarkable. I mean, just before he takes a snap as a quarterback, I would be like, uh, I'm not going to snap the ball right now because that guy's <laughs> going to hit me. I'm going to duck because he was in the air before the ball was snapped. So I don't even know what the quarterback was thinking on their, on their side. And so, but it was a game, it was a game changer. I mean, when you go undefeated at anything, there is a lot of luck involved. I could go down these we, – we could have lost four, maybe five games just as easy as we won them. And so – but people – I guess I'm – as far as from a football point of view, what I am most proud about all my teammates is when it was time to step up, they stepped up. Every single time. They made plays when they had to make them. And that's the beauty of that 84 season is there's a donut in the last column. Whatever you had to do to win, it happened. Um, the Pitt game is talked about a lot. Number three Pitt, road game, first live college football game on ESPN. Much is discussed of the first couple of passes, and Lavelle talks to you to try and calm you down. They even bring Blaine in to throw a ball right on that first play. When did you kind of settle into that game? And then you throw the game winner to Dennis Hazebert, the actor's brother, Adam. He catches the game winner, and now you're on the map. Because in 83, BYU finishes seventh. Steve's second in the Heisman. You guys are a big deal. You're a big freaking deal. But then you go unranked, mainly because they're not sure how good you're going to be, probably, right? No. And then you beat Pitt, and boom, you're into it. That's exactly right. I mean, I was – I mean – Going in, going into two a days. Two a days are so different than they were now. I mean, we scrimmaged, we we went nose to nose with our defense, and frankly, we struggled. I didn't know how good our defense was going to be. So as I watch now when teams scrimmage, I actually like when the defense dominates because of the defense. Because I I already know we're going to be good. I just don't know how good. And then I'm thinking, man. I, I, I'm having a hard time completing balls against our defense. But our defense was 
really loaded. So going into that pit game, you know, they were another team that was highly ranked. They had all these great players coming back, and, you know, we're, we're, we're traveling there. What's it going to be like? I was scared to death, Jer. I, I actually didn't even want to get on the plane. It was the night before I laid in bed, and I kind of started crying a little bit, thinking, man, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if I can if I can do this, if I can handle Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, all that success. My my initial goal was to become the starter, but my second goal was to win the WAC championship. We had won like ten in a row, some weird number, thinking, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an asterisk of the first quarterback not to win the WAC championship. So that was like on my mind and and just you know being able to to play at that level. These guys, McMahon, 80 something records, young, the 40 million dollar boy. I mean it was just it was insane. You would have settled for 25. I would have settled for 25 <laughs> and left. I would have been so good. And so we get there and I'm feeling okay. There's nothing well, I'm super nervous though, super nervous. In fact, just like you mentioned, the, the first, my first three passes were so out of character of anybody, even in peewee football, to throw that bad of passes. I was just all over the field, not really feeling like I knew what to do. And Lavelle just told me, "Don't, don't worry about it. You're the guy. Don't look over your shoulder. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna play. You're gonna be doing good things." I rewatched that game about three months ago. Just to remember it, I played horrible, and I'm talking about the whole game. I just didn't play good. I didn't. I don't think I ever felt comfortable being in the pocket. I don't think I ever felt comfortable anything. I I'm laying on the plane, the floor of the plane to go home because I can't sit down because my back. There's something wrong with my back. Chris Dolman, another probably. 15-year All-Pro at Minnesota, hits me. I got a big old something on my back that's about the size of a softball that's coming out of my back. Like a knot? Like a... It's not a knot. It's like soft, so it's blood in that thing. Oh, interesting. Um, and so I can't even sit down. Lavelle, I can remember laying on the, the, the plane floor once the plane took off, I got down there, and I can remember Patty going to Lavelle. Lavelle, can you scoot over and give him some room? And it was hilarious because, you know, here's the head coach, and, and <laughs> Lavelle kind of rolls his eyes at Patty and everything. I mean, everyone's in a good mood because we won the game. But I went in the next week not knowing if I could even play because my back was this. So they had to go in, I think, the next day – lance it, get all the blood out of it, and it was super sore. Like I had a hard, hard time, you know, walking and and stuff like that. So we kept it very quiet so Baylor wouldn't know that I'm hurt or whatever. But evidently they knew because whenever they tackled me, man, they, they put their arms around me and just squoze as hard as they could. And I'm just like, <laughs> like okay, I don't want to act like this hurts too bad. But I'm st- I'm so 
the injury thing, not playing great. We won the game, yeah, super fun. But, man, am I going to be able to sustain this and play and, and be good? And going to the Baylor game, Baylor, you know, I, I don't know how good Baylor was. or But it's or, a revenge game from is. the year before. It's but the it's only a, loss. It's a revenge game. They're coming after us, yada, yada. I throw five TDs in the first half, and I'm like, I'm ready. As far as me, the team, our swagger was almost relentless. It was like we were, we were, our swagger, we were better than what we probably were. We felt that confident about everything. And from that, after that first half, I knew that I could play. I knew that I could lead this team. I knew that I could make all the throws. And so I, I just felt I felt super confident after that game that I could do what I was supposed to do. Let's fast forward to the Holiday Bowl. Michigan's a team that was ranked in the top five earlier this season. They'd kind of stumbled to the end, right? They're six and five coming into this game. Jim Harbaugh's in a sling on the side. He was the quarterback, but he was injured. They're not the same Michigan team, but it's still Michigan, right? There were other teams that were asked to participate in this game, but they said no. Um, so you line up against who you can line up with. You get hurt in this game. When did you get hurt, and what happened uh, to your knee, right? It, it was a few things. So, so it, was in the, uh, it was in the first quarter. I can remember throwing a, an out to cause. Completed it, by the way. And um, so Hammerstein, their defensive end, came around the corner. I got the ball off, and I'm just kind of standing there. I kind of see cause catching the ball. And he rolls up. He hits me down low late. My cleat gets stuck in the turf. And he keeps rolling and rolling. And so I, from that, I'm just thinking to myself, the thoughts in my head are like, this game is way too big for me to get hurt. I, I can't be out of this game. Just get up. Just get up. So I tried to get up, and I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I could get up, but there was a lot of pain rushing through my leg. And I kind of went back down. So they came out, and um, they were checking some stuff. So they, they got me up off. They took me inside. And the, the final verdict was a high ankle sprain, which is what caused the most pain. And then I had some ligament stuff done in my knee. And so they looked at it, and they said, um, okay, we're, I think you can be okay. I go, I go, if I go back out and play, because a little bit of my thought, Jerem, was the NFL too. Yeah. Am I going to be able, what's going to happen if I go out back out and play? Because maybe you go after this season. That's not out of the realm of possibility. It is out of the realm. Oh, you were, you were convinced you no, were coming back. No, you couldn't. Oh, you couldn't. I'll, I'll get to that okay, story. Okay, So they said, I go, will any more damage, I mean, you can get hurt. But will any more damage happen if I play on this? And they said, no. I go, okay, tape me up as tight as you can, and let's go. You want to take something? I go, no. Aspirin? I go, no. I just. No painkiller even. Nothing. I couldn't. Wow. I didn't. Why not? 
I never did it. I never, it wasn't even, it wasn't even being a member of our church. It was. Aspirin would have been fine. Right? It was my, I know, it yeah. would have been fine. Yeah. But it was my principle of, I don't want to do anything that could possibly hinder. I don't think an aspirin would have done anything, to tell you the like truth. Mentally? It just, I, I, yeah, I just think, I don't want to be a little bit woozy out there. Gotcha. Or anything like that. And maybe that's just crazy thinking. It probably is crazy thinking. There's a lot of adrenaline. There's a but lot, a lot of, of stuff going on. So sure. I said, tape it up super tight and let's go. If you've ever been to Jack Murphy Stadium, the old Jack Murphy, you walk down a long tunnel. Get about halfway down there. And there's my dad. I don't even know how he got down there. Because you got to jump over. I don't know how to this day how he got down there. But he saw me. He asked me how I was. I'm going to go play. So he just passed me on the back and I go down there. And then you walk out of the tunnel. And then, Jeremy, it was like all 60,000 people were, their eyes were down there. Because as soon as I stepped out, a big roar. And so I'm like, Adrenaline junkie. I mean, I was like, okay, let's You're go. You're feeding off that. Oh, that's the only way. People that have been, people have been hurt. You can talk to any athletes, and that's what has them survive, is that adrenaline. Plays over. Well, why is he limping? He just got done running. Well, you. It's just it's it's just a weird thing to talk about unless you're an athlete and have been through that. So I go to the sideline and I'm starting to take some drops. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't plant off this foot. And um, they come talk to me. I go back on the bench, though, and Marv Roberson cuts off some – I think he cuts off the cheap knob and tapes me again. Or I think he just taped on top even tighter. And uh, I'm like, oh, man. So I'm just thinking to myself. So I go up to Coach Holmgren, who's doing the plays, he goes, so I'm right next to him. And he goes, okay, I'm ready. He goes, you can't play. He goes, yeah, I'm going. So I just ran out there. I waved Blaine and everything out. And um, we've never done the shotgun formation before. Um, and so we had to incorporate it during the game on the spot. And so... Obviously, these guys are going to start, they're going to blitz. They're going to come a little bit more now. First play, let's see, was it the first play or second? Second, first play of the game, I think it was the first, first or second. Um, they got through, bam, but hit me as I throw. I got in the hell, I go, boys, talking to my O-line, we got to go, let's go. Do whatever it takes, don't let these guys in here. And our guys, man, they're just, they were lit. They were ready to go. They saw me coming back, and these are my feelings at least. And um, next play, we go, we're in shotgun. I can see him blitzing, so I call an audible to a hot read with Kelly Smith. And as I'm calling it, he snaps it, hits me right in the midsection. Luckily, it was snapped right there. If it was anywhere else, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. 
So and then you can't chase it down. I and I probably wouldn't have been able to chase it down. So I got it, and as as I got it and got my grip on it, I had to throw it that fast because they were coming. And so I think they 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 never got to me on a blitz because we had too many adjustments that they just couldn't get to me. I got rid of the ball way too quick. So they were a little more careful as we as we got going in there. And then as as we got going, we're we're playing really good. We and I'm I'm doing okay as I as I drop, I almost got a hop on my foot. Like I'm 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 planted, hop, now be ready to throw it. And you know, we, we turned the ball over a lot in that game. Our defense, like I said earlier, was incredible and we made plays when we had to make them. So it was awesome. Were you trying to throw the ball out of the end zone to Kaz on that ca- incredible <clears throat> catch or just where he could get it? Well, as I'm rolling out, I, I tried to throw it a pie where he gets it or nothing. But the ball, I wanted to throw more zip on it. But when I threw it, I'm kind of at an odd, an odd angle. So the ball, instead of rotating like a quarterback throws a spiral – it had to rotate uh, the other way with the football, so it fluttered. <laughs> it fluttered a lot more than I wanted to, and he he made an amazing catch. It almost as if he jumped, and then he almost got lifted up a little bit higher, somehow to make the grab. It, it was truly a, an awesome catch at that time. And then the the touchdown to Kelly Smith. What do you remember from that one? So we're just going down. I mean, we turned the ball over late. And then and it's one score game. You're nervous. It's a one score game, and it's a um, it's no. Is it tied now? It's you take, you take yeah. You I think it's I think you it's take tied. Yeah, and national so, championship on the line. And man. so we're kind of going down to kick a field goal. A tie is not going to do anything. A tie, you're you're going to be like the eighty eighty team, eighty one team, and eighty three team. And the '79 team, you're gonna be just you're gonna be bunched into those guys. That's not what I'm saying. And you maybe, I mean, if you don't win, you probably don't win the national championship. If you tie, if we tie, it's it's like losing. You needed to win. A tie is like losing. There's no extra, no sudden death, no anything. And so, as we're kind of picking them apart to get down to field goal range, I'm like, no. I tell the team, we're, we're not gonna tr- we're not gonna try to kick a field goal and leave it up to a snap, to a hole, to a seventy nine missed a field goal that cost them a a good season. kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have no issues. Lee Johnson would have made the kick, but we weren't gonna do it. So we're going down there, and they're starting to blitz a little bit. So we're having to throw some quicker throws, <clears throat> and then the, this last play. Kelly Smith, once again, is just on a little five-yard route to get even further down to maybe do some shots at the end zone. And they they do, they do don't bless, but they bring some rush up the middle, and they get by both of our guys. And luckily, our, our guards got a, a, enough of a piece of them that when I stepped up, I was kind of able to step up a little bit sideways and they they both got hands on me, but not enough to grab a jersey or, or grab me. So as I broke through there, I have two linemen ahead of me, and I'm right here running. Now my two options are to yell, go, block for me, I'm going to get what I can get. And all this is done 
quickly. I mean, you you have no time to make decisions in the game of football. And uh, and so then at the corner of my eye, I see Kelly Smith turning it up, and bam, I just rifled it over there. And the lineman just kind of, shoop, they kind of stopped, I think. And uh, Kelly, I mean, his initial was he bobbled it, and then he made the catch, and it was <laughs> pretty awesome. So you don't find out you actually win the national championship <clears throat> for like a week or two, right? So – this is this, free this, Christmas. This game is December fifteenth, yeah. probably. You have January first bowls. We all go home. I'm at home. I don't have any teammates with me. I'm at home, and my parents woke me up. You're number one. You guys want it, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and then my then the phone our 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 dial phone went off the hook and. Reporters from Utah, you know, everybody was calling to get our thoughts and everything. And so, as a team, we weren't even together. Which um, is kind of a bummer. It was. A, it's a major bummer. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah, what, like a celebration. When you oh got yeah, back we. To had, it was awesome. Okay. I mean, we we had a dinner with the first presidency and quorum of the twelve apostles, and then we had a huge. Uh, the Marriott Center was packed. We had a huge. Um, um, like a pep rally kind of thing. It was like a it was packed, and so they introduced the team. We had President Hinckley there, uh, and some some of us try, talked or answered questions. Uh, they had a mediator there, and so that was a lot of fun. And then they had a big parade down University Avenue. So it, it all turned out great, but that initial thing of your national champions. Everyone got to do it with their families, which I guess would be cool, too. Now you get to work with Lee Johnson and Chad Lewis. What's that like? And Lee's been on the program. Yes. Yes. And so has Chad. So I've got the triumvirate. Nice. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, I mean, it's super fun. Um, it's, we do a lot. We raise a lot of money doing things together. We have a lot of fun together. Um, it's a great job for three former players. That excelled. Um, it makes the job way easier for me because people just want to talk about '84, and so the conversations you can go right into talking. <laughs> then it's like, hey, we need some money too, and so. But <laughs> every day is every day is different. Um, LJ keeps us going, keeps us laughing, uh, and he's just hilarious. So we, we we're all, we're all super good friends. Our wives are all good friends. And so that makes it great together. Well, Robbie, I, I could talk to you for a million years. There's a million questions uh, I still want to ask. So maybe we'll do a part two down the road. But this was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Jerome. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found for producer Tanner uh, Graff and Robbie Bosco. I'm Jerome Jordan. You've just listened to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.